In this episode of Flying Smarter, we're talking about turbulence. I'm switching things up a bit just for this episode and spending the entire time talking to airline pilot Owen Zupp about this part of flying which understandably makes many people a little nervous. Welcome to episode 8 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel. For those of you who haven't listened to previous episodes of the podcast, what normally happens is that I start off the episode by answering some questions about air travel, either ones that are submitted by listeners or ones that I've had in the past. Then I usually share some sort of fun fact or interesting tidbit about air travel, and then I get into what I call the main segment, and that's when I'll either take a deep dive into a particular aspect of air travel, or I'll have a guest on the show to share their insights and expertise. I'm going to do something a little bit different just for this episode though because I have a really interesting interview that's going to take up the entire time. I had a really great chat with an airline pilot about turbulence, and we talk about everything from what happens in the flight deck to when the plane hits turbulence, to whether or not turbulence can bring down a plane. And I didn't really want to cut it down or have an excessively long episode, so what I've done is just made this episode an interview-only one. And I'm really excited to share this with you, so let's get right into it. My guest for this episode today is Owen Zupp. He's a commercial pilot, an author, and a speaker. He's had quite the remarkable career as a pilot. He's worked as a flight instructor, an airline pilot, and much more. He has over 20,000 flying hours on over 90 different types of aircraft, and most recently flew the Boeing 747 for Qantas. On top of that, Owen has a master's degree in aviation and has authored seven different books and also writes about his experiences on his website. Owen, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here. Now, it's been a tough time lately for the airline industry, and I understand that you received notice from your airline recently that your services won't be needed for the foreseeable future. How are things going for yourself right now? Yeah, it's obviously a very challenging time for the airlines around the world, so um, I'm not on my own in this situation. Um, yes, we've been stood down for the time being as international flying has dropped off and also the 747 has retired. Uh, so in that intervening period, I've made the most of uh, my other skill set as such in writing and, and undertaking other projects, but certainly keen to get flying again. But uh, you tend to find that there are transferable skills. So we're just uh, applying ourselves elsewhere until we can get in the air once again. Right. Well, I guess we'll see how it uh, all has to play out, but I'm glad that you you do have other things that you can work on. Now, you've had a pretty amazing career as a pilot, I would say. And so I want to talk a bit about that before we jump into our main topic. One thing that really jumped out at me is that you've flown over 90 different types of aircraft. How did that come about? (laughs) Um, I grew up in an aviation family, so I I was surrounded by airplanes from a very early age. the main reason that I've got so many different types is that in my writing, particularly magazine writing, I have reviewed a lot of aircraft when they've come into the country, brand new aircraft, be them business jets or light aircraft. Uh, I've even reviewed steam and biplanes, etc. So by virtue of writing about aircraft, I've had wonderful opportunity to fly a, a wide variety of aircraft. So I consider myself very, very fortunate in that way because uh, for someone who loves to fly, you, you can't imagine a better opportunity. 
Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of pilots who are looking at that and hearing that uh, and, and do consider you very, very lucky in that sense as well. I'm, now, sure, I'm sure there are, and I'm very aware of that. I'm very fortunate. Now, let's get into the main topic that I want to talk to you about today, which is uh, turbulence. And it's something that causes anxiety among a lot of passengers, and I would say reasonably so. But I wanted to get an airline pilot on here to talk about it. So why don't we start with the very basics? Can you talk a bit about what actually causes turbulence? Absolutely. And, and I think you're quite right there. It's quite understandable that people do have hesitation and trepidation. I think knowledge to a degree can dispel much of that anxiety, but it's it's quite a natural reaction. Uh, very simply put, turbulence, it's, it's a disturbed air mass. Uh, the reason that it's disturbed can be many reasons. It could be motion of that air mass over rough terrain. It could be the heating of the air mass and it going up like a bubble through the atmosphere. Uh, it can be the meeting of two air masses. It could be the wake of another aircraft where the aircraft has disturbed the air mass. So there's a number of reasons that the air can be disturbed. I often, when I explain in an instructional sense that air is a fluid, just like water. So it's easier to visualize if you think of water. So we could, we've all seen water getting disturbed as it, it flows over a rocky creek bed or uh, two rivers joining or eddies or the wake of a boat as it moves across the harbour. We could visualize that, well, air can behave in a very similar manner. And so what happens is the aircraft then encounters that disturbed air mass. And that is what um, creates the turbulence, very simply put. Right. Now, pilots are sometimes able to give their passengers or their flight attendants a heads up that there might be turbulence coming up during their flight. How are you as a pilot able to anticipate or to predict turbulence? There's a variety of reasons. There's strategic turbulence awareness where we can look well in advance, such as a forecast that we might even get pre-flight. Um, and then there's tactical where a weather radar might see a cloud build up ahead. It might, uh, we actually have a turbulence function on the weather radar. Uh, even just our, our own eyesight, if we see certain types of clouds, we can anticipate that they'll be rough to go through. So it's a combination of forecasting, uh, equipment on board, experience, also reports from other aircraft that up ahead have said they've just encountered some turbulence. So it's not a precise science, but definitely the um, the tools that we have at our disposals are ever improving and far more than they had 50 or 60 years ago. Right. And when you're sitting as a passenger uh, in, in the cabin, there's sometimes a degree of discomfort or anxiety, I feel like, about passengers when, when the plane hits some turbulence. Could you talk a little bit about what pilots are thinking and what's going on in the flight deck when the plane hits turbulence? Okay. If it's unanticipated, if we've just encountered it, the first thing probably that we do is, is put our own seatbelt on, uh, shoulder harnesses, I should say. We always fly with our seatbelts on, but our shoulder harnesses, we in the cruise, we, we don't have those on. So we secure ourselves. We put the seatbelt sign on at the same time to secure the cabin. In terms of the aircraft itself, we tend to firstly extricate it from that situation or avoid it is, is the ideal situation. We reduce the speed to a safe uh, realm. So it's a combination of securing the cabin and also keeping the aircraft away from the turbulence or if we have encountered it, putting the aircraft in a safe state, usually through reduced speed or changing levels. We can climb or descend 
to get away from that situation. But it's all about safety. It's, it's keeping the passengers safe. It's keeping our cabin crew safe and keeping the aircraft safe. Uh, and then once we've got everything secure, and that's only a, literally a matter of seconds, we try to diagnose what have we encountered? Why have we encountered this? Is it something that a climb or descent will reduce the impact of? Or is it something that we've got to laterally divert around, uh, move left or right to reduce the impact? So it, it's those two uh, measures. It, it's securing everything and it's then extricating the aircraft from the situation safely. Yeah, it all seems very, um, very, very calm and methodical. And one of the things that I've sometimes noticed, you know, and either in people's imaginations or, or on TV or in cartoons, whatever it may be, is that when when there's turbulence, you know, they show the pilots there fighting the controls with every single bump or every single movement. That, that that's really not the case at all, uh, is it? No, no. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's going to be the autopilot is left engaged uh, to encounter the turbulence uh if you've got severe turbulence there are situations where um you might disconnect the automatic throttle um and manage the speed control uh with your hands as such as opposed to the autopilot but it, it is a, a a situation where pilots are trained for it there isn't a need for panic and i don't think the passengers want us to panic <laughs> so um it's something we're trained for and we just follow our procedures as we do with pretty much any situation that's out of the normal. Now, on the note of more unusual scenarios, perhaps, um, I want to turn to some worst case scenarios, let's call them, that might run through my mind if I'm a passenger. And I have a few situations that I want to run by you and get your thoughts on. So firstly, is it possible for turbulence to break the wings off my plane or to damage the plane in any way? Uh, you often get passengers looking out the, the wingtip and, and seeing it flex and move in flight, and it, it does cause a degree of worry. Firstly, the air, um, aircraft manufacturers test that, and if you go onto YouTube, you can actually see the tests underway, and I think it was the Boeing 777. They, they flexed the wings up. They attached uh, ropes, I think it was, to the end and bent them up on one of the test aircraft. And they went about more than 25 feet, I think it was, before they suffered structural failure. They're, they're designed to flex. So when you see the wing moving in flight up and down, that's totally normal. As it, If it's ever happened, I think there was a, a, a BOAC 707 back in the 60s hit extreme uh, mountain wave turbulence off Mount Fuji in Japan. And I think it had an, an in-flight breakup. But there are historical... Uh, instances of, of aircraft damage due to turbulence. But as I was saying before, our warning systems have continually evolved and, and they're very good these days, both on board. So we've got wind shear warning systems, we've got turbulence functions, we've got radar, etc. Um, the airports have got warning systems for low-level wind shear and microbursts, etc. The advisories and the communication between other aircraft and air traffic control, the forecasting is much better. So it really is a case of avoidance. Uh, the chances of, of unknowingly flying into these extreme weather phenomena is, is greatly reduced compared to what it was some decades ago. So wings are meant to flex. That's fine. Um, historically, yes, I think there are instances where there have been structural failures but they are somewhat in the distant past and we've learned 
a lot through some of those instances and and our systems these days both on board and and in the environment the aircraft operates are far better all right now second scenario is it possible for turbulence to flip your plane upside down i guess anything is possible uh, <laughs> you're, you're talking about really extreme conditions and and once again i could almost relate it back to the the water scenario where you know, you've got a sizable boat actually getting overturned by a rogue wave. I suppose there are those situations, but aircraft have inbuilt stability in that if a disturbed airflow tends to want to roll the aircraft one way, the natural design of the aircraft makes it want to self-recover without even pilot input. Um, similarly, if the nose pitches up, inherent stability makes it want to come back down. So it would be an extreme situation, not one that I can really think of off the top of my head that could flip an aeroplane upside down. You'd get, and often when you feel like, whoa, that's rolled us, the angular bank hasn't been that great. It does feel it in the cabin and it does feel it if you're not used to flying uh, or if you have some trepidation. But in terms of flipping an aircraft upside down, I'd, I'd find that fairly hard to imagine. All right. And my last worst case scenario is, should I be worried about turbulence sending my plane into some sort of dive or spin or spiral or end up plummeting towards the ground in any way? <laughs> no, no. The, the um, Probably the, the greatest threat at times in terms of turbulence is that the turbulence that occurs at low level, uh, often called low level wind shear, or you can have, as I said, microbursts, which are really intense little storms uh, uh, once again, close to the ground. Uh, but once again, we have increased warning systems for that, systems on the aircraft that sense the changes in wind that give us a heads up that something unusual could be um, ahead. So whereas these extreme weather phenomena in the past have created uh, situations, there was a, a microburst incident in the United States many years ago that changed the way that we we approach flying towards airports in thunderstorm activity. Um, I, I don't think you really have to worry about those sorts of incidents to the degree that we once did. It's all about vigilance on the pilots part and also training that if we do encounter such a phenomena low down, um, that we're trained to get the aircraft out of there. We, we don't pursue the landing further. We we go around is the phrase. But in terms of the dramatic, would my aircraft get thrown into a spin or something random like that? No, it's it's not really the way that turbulence operates. It, when you're flying through the shear between two air masses, you can temporarily have disturbed airflow of the wings, which affects lift. Uh, but once again, the warning systems, the training, they're all designed these days to have crews and aircraft and airports far more aware of these situations. So, no, there's not really a situation where it's going to dramatically throw the aircraft into some uh, crazy state of flight. So it'll be uncomfortable. But, uh, no, I don't think people have to worry about these uh, incredible situations very much. It's a discomfort, absolutely. Um, and I understand the trepidation. But rest assured, the aircraft design, the people who are supporting the flight and the pilots themselves are doing everything they can to minimise those impacts. 
Now, you've mentioned uh, wind shear a few times. Just for anyone who might be listening who isn't familiar with that concept, could you just quickly give a quick overview on what wind shear is? Uh, wind shear is when uh, two air masses meet uh, of different speed or direction, and the intensity or the difference in those speeds and directions dictate how abrupt that change in the air mass is. Uh, up at altitude, we have jet streams, which are funnels or of very high speed air. And when you fly into that, obviously you've got a shear or a difference in air, uh, wind speed. And you can sit in the middle of a jet stream doing 150 miles an hour, blowing at 150 miles an hour can be glassy smooth, but it's that change of going from the 150 mile an hour air to 20 mile an hour air that causes the turbulence. And probably the most uh, significant wind shear that everyone is guarded against is low level wind shear. If you get a change in the wind speed or direction, a significant change at low level as you're coming into land or if you're taking off and pilots undergo significant regular training in managing that wind shear and airports also have wind shear warning systems, etc. So it's the meeting of two air masses that have a significantly different wind speed or wind direction, uh, the shear as such. So yeah, once again, training and equipment and experience all come together for pilots to preferably avoid it. But if they do encounter it, they're trained to extricate the aircraft safely from it. Right. And I think that's really good to know, especially for those who, who might get a bit queasy when their flight gets uh, gets bumpy. So I appreciate you indulging me in some of the the hypothetical thinking there. Yeah, no, well, the, the, it's understandable. It, we weren't born to fly. We've only been doing it uh, a bit over a century. So we're all still um, adapting to this different environment. Right. Now, that being said, though, there are cases out there of turbulence that end up causing injuries for passengers or for flight attendants in the cabin. Uh, and uh, recently, you know, in recent years, you, you often see videos of them on the internet. How do those usually occur? Most of those are, are unanticipated or clear air turbulence, sometimes referred to as CAT. Uh, in flight, clouds are often a, a very good roadmap in the sky that can tell us what the uh, the turbulence state is over mountain ranges if we see almond shaped clouds if there's enough moisture in the air we might sense there's mountain waves there if we see a towering cumulus or fluffy cloud there's vertical currents or take that to the extreme a thunderstorm and we can see that with our eyeballs and we can avoid it clear air turbulence doesn't have those telltale signs uh, we, we have our forecast that might say this area could have clear air turbulence in it. Once again, you were talking about why do sometimes the seatbelt sign go on and then, then nothing happens. Well, that, that's uh, a part of that. But the warning signs that we normally see in terms of clouds, etc., aren't there. And it's usually quite a, a short impact, but clear air turbulence is what's caught it. And by that state, the belt sign isn't on in the cabin and that's how the people get injured they're standing in the back galley or they're, they're talking or they're walking up to the bathroom and it's caught everybody off guard that's generally when these instances have occurred uh, if there's any sense that we could be encountering turbulence you'll tend to find the pilots are, are conservative and, and put the belt sign on but once again it's a very good reminder that when we're on board 
if we don't have a reason to move about the cabin, we always should keep our seatbelts on right through the flight unless we've got a good reason, just as we do on the flight deck, because we are operating in a dynamic environment. And these people who do get injured and, and the cabin crew, naturally, they're conducting their duties, are generally people who aren't in a seat with their seatbelt on there. For some reason, they're up and about in the cabin. Well, yeah, we hear it very often, but uh, there's definitely a good reason there to to keep seatbelts uh, fastened when you're when, when you're in your seat. Now, I want to turn a bit to your own experiences because you've worked as an airline pilot uh, for a while. Have you had any particularly memorable or remarkable experiences with turbulence? Yeah, I guess I guess as a matter of perspective of, of remarkable, it, it probably caused a bit of a shudder in the cabin, but. Um... I've had low-level wind shear in uh, Queenstown, New Zealand. There's there's um, a, a huge mountain range there called the Remarkables, and you can sometimes get eddies of airflow flowing around those. But what caught us off guard a little bit was it was a perfectly still, beautiful day, and um, there was no <clears throat> excuse me, there was no warning signs in terms of the wind on the ground, and we we just hit an eddy of air. But once again, um, we saw changing in airspeed as a crew. We started to increased power and then we got the wind shear warning and we flew out of the situation but that was probably the most significant wind shear I think I've had. Um, something more subtle is that I do remember coming into Uluru or Ayers Rock as it's known it's a, a very large land monolith in central Australia which which tourists often go to and I remember being on approach there one day and there was a dust devil uh, which is a funnel of air basically up into the sky from ground level, which takes the red dust with it. And I saw it drifting across towards the runway as I was coming into land. And then it disappeared because it got over the runway surface. And obviously it had no dust on the runway to, to indicate it was still there. And it never emerged from the other side. Uh, and so it was very undramatic. But once again, we anticipated that, flew around and came back around again. But if we'd flown onto the runway, we probably would have encountered that dust devil on the runway. All right. Now, if you'll let me switch gears quickly before we wrap up, there's a lot of skills uh, that are needed in the flight deck uh, for, from a pilot's perspective that can be translated into people's lives. And I understand that you try to help people do this through your speaking and your writing as well. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and it's something that's come into play, obviously, whilst we're stood down from flying. But uh, as pilots, we're thoroughly trained in decision-making, in management, working in small teams. If you can imagine a flight deck, uh, you may be flying with someone who doesn't have anything in common with you on a personal basis that you only met 45 minutes earlier. Now, you have to then come together, work as a small team in a very complex and dynamic environment. So those skill sets are readily transferable into everyday life or business in that you um, have to be able to communicate. You have to, we say, manage upwards, sometimes suggest to someone there's a better way of doing things without offending them or, or making them feel insulted in some way. Even simple things like pausing. Uh, how many times have we sent an email or said something in haste that we wish we hadn't? As pilots, we're trained to pause that if there's an emergency, the first thing we do is take a breath and assess the situation. We don't rush in because often the ramifications of a, a hurried response are far worse than the few seconds that we take to really weigh up the situation. They're all things that 
uh, as pilots we're trained to do. And it's only really when we take ourselves out of the flight deck that we realise they do apply to other aspects of our lives. So that's been one of the things that I have been talking about um, in some of my recent projects. And I actually wrote a book on it and, and pardon the catchphrase title, but someone told me it was good for SEO, is uh, it's, it's titled Do It Like a Pilot. And what it means is some of these transferable skills we can use, be they management, decision-making, uh, leadership, they do apply to other aspects of our lives. So that, that's definitely helped me in the this stand-down process where I'm not flying right at the moment. While Owen's Up is an airline pilot and an award-winning author, you can check out his work on his website at owensup.com. There, you can find various articles that he's written, as well as details on his books, the newest of which shares stories of the remarkable Boeing 747. And you can also find him on social media. We'll include the links to his accounts in the episode description. Thank you so much, Owen, for being here. Thank you for taking the time to come chat, and it's really been a pleasure. Great. Thanks, Andrew. No, it's, it's been wonderful. Even if we're on opposite sides of the planet, it's remarkable that we can talk about these things. And uh, a final word to all passengers out there that um, don't worry, your aircrew have your best intentions at heart. And we do understand that uh, turbulence can, can cause some trepidation, but uh, it, we'll get through this together. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. I'll be going back to the regular format for the next episode, but I hope you enjoyed my chat with Owen. Please take a minute and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Flying Smarter, and on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Music